Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Hi, this is Mark Miller with OWASP 24-7. Today, as a follow-up to our talk on project funding, I'm talking with Joanna Curiel, the project review team leader, and Claudia Avales-Casanova, the project coordinator. Uh, good morning, Joanna and Claudia. Good morning. Good morning. What we're here to do is kind of clarify some of the points that were talked about in the previous discussion. Claudia, you just came on as project coordinator on June 15th. Could you give people an overview on what your position is? Well, um, I, I just started and I will be, I will be um, assisting the project leader, like jo Joanna's team, the project task force. Uh, I will be uh, assisting them with their projects, their requests, and kind of giving them um, a vehicle to use me as a vehicle um, and a liaison to get things done, to move forward. Um, that's basically what, what my overall um, position is for. Joanna, when you talk to Claudia about this, what kind of, I'd say, mentoring did you give her to get started? You needed a little help on the project review team. You have a lot going on. What kind of mentoring did you give her before she started? Well, we already had a meeting uh, this week, and I already configured or sent her a documentation regarding some steps and some of the process that we need her to follow up. And the most important one is when leaders submit a new, they want a new project. There are certain procedures, and especially the foundation that has been always handled by the foundation, Kate was doing that, but as you know, Kate has many things on her hand. So she was trying to handle all those requests. And we are just someone or a group to support when a submission comes in. We just give an advice, go, no go, to the foundation based on a review done on the project. What was happening, and, I, and this is a little bit of history, and I think I mentioned this in multiple mailing lists, what was happening is that people were starting two years ago projects and they were allowed to start empty. And empty means that there were no deliverables, no roadmap, not even a single line of code, absolutely nothing. And after one, two years, there were around 90 wiki pages of so-called projects which were empty. So when the last project manager left, what we make sure is, we will never <laughs> try to do that anymore. If really someone wants to start a project, he should have something and very clear with a roadmap where he wants to head and not an empty project because we cannot call that a project without a roadmap, without some planning. So the role of someone like Claudia will be to guide these project leaders because I don't have time for that. I am a volunteer. And I only do review. And Timo Gusan from South Africa is also a, a project volunteer that has been helping us a lot, especially because he's also a developer. So we can actually, when something like a code 
project comes in or a tool, we are able to really analyze and understand, okay, what is this about? Well, the question then is, have the rules changed or are we just starting to enforce the rules? No, the rules did change around two years ago. We started promoting and we placed this on the wiki page. What are the new rules to start a project? And this was all approved. So there is nothing new about this. The thing is, of course, that if people were used to start projects without really anything, not a roadmap, not a plan, absolutely nothing, then, of course, becomes a kind of, oh, well, I can start a project like that. And now, of course, implementing these rules, at least the only thing we want is a plan, a clear plan for documentation. They don't have to produce the documentation in once at once because we know this is not possible. But at least they can um, implement a kind of roadmap with an introduction or index. And this is where we want Claudia, somebody from the foundation, to look at these basic things that they need to have in order to set up a wiki page. They need at least to have certain things which have been published on starting a project tab in a wiki page. So this is the biggest role Claudia will be having regarding this section of, of projects, starting a new project, but also a follow-up when a project has uh, unfortunately become dormant or leaders are not responding um, to our call and they are not very reactive. So, Joanna, it seems like we've got some kind of process in place where people can actually set up projects now and they're verified that they're going to be real projects. The question we really want to cover today, though, is access to funding. Now, I, as a project lead, was really not aware of how much funds were available to me as a project leader until we had that talk two days ago on the other podcast. So just to kind of work our way into that, can you give me a brief overview as if I, as a project lead, want to request funds, what's the process for doing that? Well, this is very interesting, and this is the main reason why we need a project coordinator. Um, basically, many leaders do not have this information available, already available, only on the wiki. So they need to go through the wiki to find out about it. And probably you have never taken the time to read through the wiki. Am I wrong? No, that's true. But <laughs> I'm kicking myself in the butt for not having done it because I would have loved to have gone to AppSec Europe in Amsterdam last month, but I didn't have the funds to go. It sounds to me as I could have applied for travel funds so that I could go and do the interview series in Amsterdam. That's true, but I published to the mailing list everyone that wanted to make use of the funds for the project summit, which was allocated. So the second question is, did you actually read the mailing list or the email that I sent, or it wasn't clear maybe? I, I do read everything that comes through for the AppSex uh, series because I participate in just about all of them. So I know that I did read them. Okay. Because like you, there were other projects that also knew about it just through the, through the mailing list of the OAS leaders. I sent an email through the OAS leaders asking, well, if you need, um, if you like to go, 
these are the rules, you should fill in an agenda, you should and this is the way how everybody was able to apply for that specific funds. But now we are talking about something different. You as a project leader need money and let's and let's put it first how the budget funding is divided within the OAS foundation. The big budget is held by the chapters. You look at the foundation chapters funding on the wiki page that I could, and maybe you can also feedback on the exact address because this is the problem. People don't know because they don't have the direction or the IP address, or, I mean, the, the, the correct wiki page to do that. And it's like Claudia said, Claudia's new, so she was like, oh, that wiki page is huge. I don't know where to go. And that's the problem. That's the one of the main problems is that when people come to the wiki page as project leader and they're new or like you that actually I, I, I think uh, you are you are a volunteer for more than two, three years working on the podcast right now. So you still don't know where do I find this information. And this is where we need someone to clarify that information, to make it clear and to promote it and communicate it through different channels. The only channel I'm using right now to allocate or promote summits, the last two summits, because there was a small budget of $10,000 for the summit. So the first come, first serve, I put all the rules. Now you read it, you say, hey, but like this, it happens on many other things and initiatives that are being initiated by project leaders, but someone is not um, added on the mailing list for some reason or is not subscribed to the mailing list or they don't read the email, so they don't know. That's one of the, the main issues. The second is we don't have somebody at the foundation really giving guidance to the new project leaders, telling them, if you need funds, this is where you have to do, this is what you have to follow up. And that's why um, we also need rules. Because imagine if you have a free-for-all, yeah, when everybody can start a project, so there's the first um, line where you have to come up with a good project. If you're an existing project and you want to make use of the funds, we would like to make use or give funds to project leaders that are active and working on the projects, not projects that are empty or projects that have not updated their information for two or three years. And this has been happening very much. Okay, let's, let's tackle that point because Dennis Cruz brought this up and was very adamant. And his whole premise is that we should be able to trust the project leaders to utilize the funds at their discretion. And I know that you were adamantly against that. You want to give your point on that one? I believe that we have to trust people, but we need a way to just analyze and review what is it for. If I come on, like Josh said, well, I want funds and I, and, 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 and then I ask for funds. What is it for? I need a new Apple computer. I want an, an, an Apple computer and a Mac get in touch with decent configurations because I'm going to use it for my project. And it costs $4,000 and I want $4,000. Well, what is the first thing <laughs> the foundation is going to do? You need an Apple computer, $4,000. What is it for? And that's the only thing that the project leader needs to do. But just hold on. Was that a real request or are you just making that up? Well, there has been requests for virtual machines 
if you buy a virtual machine or you hire or rent a virtual machine that costs $1,000 a year and you need to pay that continuously after four or three years, how much is going to cost? It's going to cost $3,000. And that, has, that kind of request has happened in the past. I'm not talking about requests that has not happened. There are project leaders that have asked very specifically to buy a virtual machine, what you need to keep them. I mean, if you want to keep the project alive and all the code and things going on, then you need to pay per month and per year. And the question is, for how long do you want to have that virtual machine on the cloud? Well, hold on now. Let's let's back up a step. To be fair here, is if this is a critical part of a project, of a project leader that has good visibility in OWASP and has been working on other projects that are viable, what's the pushback in saying yes to that? Why would you say no to that? I, will, I have not said that uh, we won't say no or the foundation should not say no. It's based on what is it for? So you need a computer or a virtual machine on the cloud. What is it exactly for? If you are able to explain that just on... Uh, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, though. Is if if you're at if you're at Dennis's level and you request something like that, I mean, I would almost be insulted if people were second guessing me on what what do you need this for? Justify you, and you say, well, hell, I've been on the board, I've worked with OWASP for X number of years, I got all these projects. Why do I have to justify in detail why I need this? I can understand that. Okay, because if you don't justify yourself, then nobody has to justify themselves. If you don't put rules for everyone, then it's like, oh, Dennis can do that. And that's what happened on the mailing list. There was one leader that said, oh, if, if, if he wants that, I also want a machine for this and this. And, <laughs> and there was a moment I said, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I was thinking because this question came to me from Paul just to understand better what is it for. So if you maybe Dennis is one of these fantastic leaders that have worked hard and made a lot of things in the past and in, in right now, but doesn't mean that everybody is like that. So it can happen that we have a leader, eh? and sometimes you never know the situation, that he will want a machine or a resource, not for the purpose that it should be spent, or maybe he doesn't understand that for grant funds, especially for grant funds, the money can only be ut- utilized for that specific project, for what it was it for, and, and especially with grant funds. Therefore, if we look back at the situation of Dennis, for Dennis will be fantastic, but I will start getting angry that Dennis got it just like that and me not because I am a volunteer for only one year. That's not fair to me because I'm also working hard and then I don't have to explain myself. Well, you've got criteria that you're putting in here. And I was thinking, is is visibility in the community, length of membership in the community, projects worked on, doesn't that count as anything when you're looking at credibility for a project leader? Of course. That is one of the first criteria. So when he asked that specific virtual machine, the only thing I said, well, I can imagine that he wants to use it for that. But I think the first person to explain what is it for is himself. That's the only thing I said. And then he um, actually uh, feedback on that. And then, and then we never heard what is it for. And I don't think that was very difficult to just say, I'm going to use that virtual machine on the cloud 
for this project and that project, and this is what I'm going to do. And the other thing that the project leaders um, are, or in this case, the foundation wanted to know specifically was for how long do you need this? Because a virtual machine, you need a contract, you have to pay it for for how, how long? Two months, three months, is it for a year? And so that's the question. We need to be a little bit more specific when we ask uh, funds. And the more money that you need to ask for, the better you should explain what is it for and how you're going to spend it and what are the deliverables Oh, what do you want to deliver with that? If I ask, I want an Apple computer for my project, that is not enough. But if I say, I need an Apple computer because I don't have right now one. I want to use it for this. I have funds on my project, especially if you have um, funds on your own project. And I want to utilize it for this. Like I will tell you, if Simon, who has right now $10,000 on his project funds, asks for an Apple computer because the one he has crashed and he needs to keep on coding... For his project, he he has all the right to get that money, and 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 actually, the only thing he needs to do is a reimbursement. Here's my Apple computer, uh, or or my computer that crashed, and this is the receipt. So, basically, that's it. You know, I'm still struggling with the idea here that okay, there are specific criteria, but in any company that you work with at any level, any enterprise level. There's a certain threshold where, let's say, $500. If you're asking for $500, uh, that's a gimme. Almost, It's almost like petty cash. Is there a number here at OWASP where you say, hey, if it goes over $500, we're going to have to take a closer look? Or is everything a $100,000 request for a summit looked at as the same way as a $200 request for a, a website server? Um, I think there are some limits right now, but I cannot answer that question exactly because I'm not the foundation analyzing each. I don't decide that. So mm-hmm. I am just a project review team leader. That will be something that I think Claudia and the foundation will need to define much better and make more clear. And I agree. If a leader comes in and says, I need $50 for this, and remember, it's just an approval and he just needs to make a reimbursement on that, of course, I don't think we should do difficult on that. But the moment, and I believe there is a kind of um, limit of $500 right now, uh, and the best will be to look at the wiki and the rules, because there are many things already described there and even guidelines written by the old project manager. I think the only thing that it needs to be defined is if you request with something less than $100, no problem. Hey, here it goes. But you have to remember also, Mark, that projects do not have much funds right now. So if I'm a project leader and you, for example, this for, for, for the project summit, that money is not coming from the project bucket. That money is coming from the foundation community. And that's different. So I think it also depends where where is your budget coming from. Good. It, that, can, can we give a real example on that? I checked on the dashboard, and the podcast series has zero funding allocated to it. Should I, in some way, find a way to get money into my project, or do I just wait till I need it? What's the process for, for getting me some dollars allocated to the podcast? Well, the biggest work has to be done by you. And that's something we need to make clear, I think, for everyone. The project 
if you need funding and you you are completely free right now to find sponsors and they will put money on your project. That is something any project leader can do and that's the way if you look at, for example, projects like SAP, which have a lot more money, can do right now. So well, but I we got $500,000 in the bank. Why should I have to go and beg for funds from a sponsor? Well, this is, the, now you have triggered the real problem of the foundation and budget allocation. And this is something I also agree with Denise and, and many other leaders. When the foundation creates a, um, let's say, um, for example, an AppSec, and they go and do it together with the Amsterdam chapter leader. The chapter leader, because he helps organize this AppSec, gets a big portion, or depending if there are winnings or earnings, because it depends if there are earnings, they will get some. And there are many members that actually are, when they pay their membership, it goes to the chapter. So the chapters are the ones right now with the money. There, there are chapters with 50,000, there are chapters with 15, with, uh, I mean, a lot of money if you look at. So that is actually the problem. The money is being allocated that way because people are sponsoring those chapters directly or they get money through the AppSec events. So if I organize an event at Curacao, my chapter has $40. So what can I do with $40? Not much. But I can apply uh, to uh, an event to the foundation and explain, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a chapter meeting and I need, I need it for this. And it will get approved without many issues because that is a common and normal procedure. But right now, for projects, that does not exist. That's right. That's right. And that is the main problem. We do not have a clear way of getting money for projects like AppSec and chapters because the membership money goes into that. The AppSec earnings are partly divided between the chapters and of the chapter and the AppSec conference. We don't have we don't know um, projects do not have that. That is the main problem. Well I was shocked, literally shocked when uh, Andrew Vanderstock said that his project had no funding, and then chapters started saying, "Well, we'll donate five hundred, or we'll donate a thousand to uh, your project." And I thought, "Damn, chapters have much, much more power than projects do if chapters are allocating their own funds to projects." And that's true, and that's completely true, because they have the money. They have they have collect through memberships, through AppSec uh, conferences. Through events, they have been able to generate a source of income where they can make use of it. But we as project leaders are really, we really have it hard because we have to look for those funds. We have to be lucky we have a sponsor maybe. If we have a sponsor, then he can put the money in my project. But that, that doesn't happen easily. So we need a way, and this is what I hope, that the foundation and with the project coordinator on board can help us really realize a better way to generate specific funds. But it's also not fair indeed that a chapter has 50K, but yeah, they have work for it. All the members, when the members subscribe, they have the option to donate that money to the chapter or to a project, but most of them do it to a chapter. So that is what is happening right now. 
You know, I'll have to bring Owen Cleary in on this. Owen was supposed to be on this broadcast, but he couldn't make it. And one of the things that he said, and I'd like your input on it, and Claudia, if you have some input on this too, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, To quote Owen, he says, We need the ability to allocate funds where required and not have it ring-fenced, dormant funds, which we have thousands now. And I, for me, that's this is the heart of the issue is how, what is the ability to allocate funds, who has that ability, and who could legitimately move the excess funds from the chapters into the projects that need it? Well, that's a very good question because I believe, but correct me uh, later if I'm wrong, I believe that the situation is that the rules have been set up in a certain way and approved by the last yeah, years. So it works like that. And it's not very easy to take funds from a chapter because if the chapter does not allow it, they won't share it. If a chapter, the chapter is the owner of that budget right now. So how you take it from them? You have to ask them. So now is a quite sad situation that the foundation itself has to ask the chapters because they are the owners of that money. Yeah, it seems to me that if a chapter, say, is creating some kind of event and there are excess funds after the the event, is it odd that that chapter gets to keep all of those funds or should it be put back in the pool for access by everybody? I believe it, it needs to have a, another regulation because it's not fair that a chapter, and, and you have to look at this too, those chapters that have enough memberships in order to organize an AppSec have the biggest advantage and Denver, uh, New York, look at those budgets. I mean, they are more than 10K, 50K, etc. And it's not fair that they hold that money and they say, like, well, this is my money. And if the rest of the projects or even chapters that are very poor chapters, like like money. I mean, I'm a poor chapter. I only have $40. You remember? So it will be fair a little bit if I could make use of a pool. And maybe there should be limits also on the amount of money that should go into one chapter or another because it won't be fair. I understand, of course, as a chapter leader, you're working hard and you're getting that money into your chapter that wouldn't be also fair like they take it all from you, but it should be at least a kind of limit or or a pool that you should contribute as part of the system. Like, okay, you know, like taxes, basically. So if you earn a lot of money, you have to pay more taxes and that taxes are being used also to cover certain services for poor people or that do not have the same possibilities as you. Because a chapter in Africa does not have the same possibilities as a chapter in, let's say, New York. Of course, we we are talking about very different situations, a chapter in in, etc. And and for example, if we look also at projects, it's the same thing. If I am a project leader living in the U.S., I have certain facilities... I have certain things that are a little bit more fair for me and, and easier to get. But if I'm a leader living somewhere in, I don't know, India or Africa, maybe they might be a little bit more difficult. And this is where I sometimes feel that project leaders and chapter leaders from other countries like Africa or South America have it difficult to pull off 
their chapters because they don't have access to funds and it's not easy to get access to funds through sponsorship or this kind of events. You know, I'm going to have to bring Tom Brennan in to extend this to a third broadcast because I know he's going to want to have something to say about this um, because he is one of the largest chapters and we can talk to him about different ideas. Uh, I, I think it's interesting at this point to continue with some of the things that Owen said. Uh, he said we need frequent small project summits on an ongoing basis. What's your response to that? I believe that we we need them. We need them in, in, in order to help engage project leaders. A project leader is a solo action most of the time. If I'm alone there in my own country and I have one or two volunteers at work most of the time on, online, it's not, it's not easy to get fully engaged. And I notice that when people get into a summit, they really get more engaged. They also have the opportunity to meet other leaders, to share information, and to become more engaged into the community and the OASP Foundation as a whole. You know, you right. feel part of the community and, and, and the team. So the, I, the other thing that Owen brought up, which I thought was interesting, and I don't know how to do it, is he said we need more industry engagement with projects such that our projects align with industry direction. How would that happen? Well, that can happen if we are able to organize summits which can help us invite those industry engagement, um, let's say, projects or leaders on other areas that can join us during the summit. And we are trying to do that this summit. And that happened the last summit. And then we had uh, uh, two big companies, uh, engineers, system engineers and security engineers. And then I asked them, um, how did you know what, how can we help to promote this better? And he said, well, the thing is, I, I even didn't knew that this was going on. If I knew, oh, I would have invited these other people. And it was at the last moment that I was aware there was a summit and I came in. And he joined us for those two days to contribute and work with other project leaders. And this is somebody completely external to us, but it works for big. I don't want to mention and promote any companies. But these two leaders um, or these two engineers and this is the kind of people we want this when we talk about industry engagement we are talking about this part like big companies doing similar things or even open source projects where we can actually join together but not only that i believe that by assisting to these events because they also have their own events like for example java one java one was a is a huge uh, conference where simon uh, Bennett was there presenting his project. This kind of activities should be helped and supported by the foundation. However, who did pay to for him to go there and do all those things? His employer, not the foundation. Right, and this right. is and, and actually this is funny. Simon is one of these leaders that is not even all the work he has done so far. He has done it quite alone and sponsored by um, his employer and other companies. But he hardly uses the OAS Foundation uh, budget 
or bucket. Claudia, you listened to the first broadcast, and you said that you had some thoughts after you, after you listened to that. Can you tell me what what you came up with? Well, I, I believe that there's communication gap, right? They don't know where to find the, the information on, on the funding, um, where to get the funding, how to get the funding, what are the rules to the funding. So I think that um, there's definitely a communication gap there that, that I can definitely help with that. Also, um, I guess uh, giving them more more information on on how to how to obtain more funds, not only through through the through the listed um, through the uh, community engagement funding rules, but there may be other ways that they can um, get funding for a certain project or a certain summit that they want to do an initiative that they want to run. Apart from you know if they need. Um, merchandise or anything that can be reimbursed but outside that um the the funds are available uh, joanna uh, following up on that about funds how many projects right now are dormant and why do you think they're dormant is it a funding issue or does the the project just kind of get orphaned it's a combination of of different facts Somebody can start with an idea, most of the time it's like that. Then they realize how difficult it is to make it. Project leaders work full-time, so they need to make time to make the projects and, and build code or documentation, especially documentations, are the most difficult projects to pull off. It's easy to say, oh, it's a documentation, so that's easy. But basically, if you have to take the time to write and, and, and create all these documents is not that simple. For code, it's more or less the same. If you want to get a project into a stable release, it, it requires a lot of investment. So if you don't have money and you need to work full-time like I do and then I have spare time in the weekends to do my project, it's not simple. And this is something that people have to realize that when they start a project, there is a lot of work involved to make it uh, to completion. Sure. How how long is a project dormant before it gets removed from the list? Right now, we are giving, depending on what kind of project it is. For example, a documentation project is a lot harder to build, so we don't expect any documentation to be built every year. That is That is not possible. So considering is when was your last release and at which state it was. So we can say basically dormant is has a lot more to do if the project leader is active responding the mailing list or if the project leader is, is trying to build a new documentation in, in a certain time and roadmap. We look more at what are his plans than actually looking at the final product when we look at documentation and what kind of documentation it is. If we do look at code or tools, those are much easier to improve or make small improvements and feedback with the users. If people are not feeding back with users at all, then that's a very bad sign that the project leader is not active at all. So we look more into those things that peer at what has been delivered, but if we notice that after especially for projects that have never delivered anything after a year or a year and a half, 
then they are set into the inactive uh, list. Can those projects still request funding? Well, depends for, I think, because if they request funding to restart or reactivate their projects, I think it will be completely fair that they make uh, use of the available funds for that. Well, hold on now. Somebody stands up a project, and you've said that people have stood up projects and then just walked away after the first day and never went back. They listen to this broadcast and say, hey, I can get some funding. So now they come back and say, I want to reactivate this project. Two years later, after doing zero, is that a good allocation of our funds? No, no, no. If they have done zero, absolutely not. But if they have delivered, I'm going to give you a very specific project. Sure. There are, for example, a couple of projects that are have been dormant. And I even, they, have, they are so good, actually. They have delivered such a good product that they have been set as low activity projects and not inactive projects uh, and that's very different we have done that because they have delivered and they are being quite used but low activity means the project leaders are not active responding to emails and the, and then the, the consumers of this project can actually expect that they won't have many reactions from the project but still it's very useful and they have delivered a project that has never delivered anything in one or two years I think I am not the one holding the door for the, actually for the money, but I think the foundation will look more critical at this kind of projects. Uh, Claudia, I, I need clarification on why would people contact you as project coordinator? What's, uh, what can you offer them if they contact you? Well, uh, what I can do is I can offer them a clear uh, understanding of the OWASP.org um, wiki page um, as far as what what they're having, what they're struggling with, if they need um, some help as far as funding, I can direct them to the page, I can direct them to what the rules are. Um, the other help that I would give them is coordinating with um, Joanna and having them look at um, moving up to the next level from incubator to a probably a flagship um, project. Um, getting their the the leader the project leader's information to move them up to the next level. For following up on Owen's uh, suggestion that we do smaller project summits on a regular basis, Claudia, would you be involved in the project summits? Uh, I would be involved as far as the planning and communicating to the. Um, chapters, the community leaders, the um, project leaders, the leadership, as far as the communication part, getting the speakers, um, that's my extent of involvement um, as far as whatever the project task force has uh, for me to help them with communication and all that. So Joanna, what we are left with here is we need a real clear process on how people can request funding what the process is that they have to go through to get the funds they need for their project. Can you walk us through that? Yes. I am a project leader, just as poor as many other projects, and also a project review task force. However, I have been able always to get funding based on the explanation and the proposals I have sent. The most important thing a project leader needs to do 
when he requests funds, it's just explain what is it for. And it depends on the amount of money he's requesting. For example, if you are requesting, and I'm going to give an exact example, if you are requesting a Google Cloud of $1,000 a year, like Beanie's did, he should explain just what is it for. What is he going to use it for? Is it for his project? Is it for a community project? What is it exactly for? And this doesn't have to take a lot of time. If you can clarify that very well, I am using this cloud because I'm going to build certain JavaScript applications that will communicate with the bot, and this is what I need it for. Then the question is, is it the best choice or not? That is, I don't think that is where the foundation is going to look into. It's more like that. However, I'm going to give you a specific example. In the past, once we requested a virtual machine, and Matisauro, who is part of the foundation and knows a lot, really, I mean, he's an expert on networks and virtual machines, uh, given his work too, gave us certain feedback to me and other leaders regarding a virtual machine we wanted to have. And he said, well, look, if you're not using it like this, maybe it's not worth it because it costs so much money a year. And and then he, he was right. I mean, <laughs> why use uh, $700 in a virtual machine where we have these issues and then we should have we must keep on paying that. So I'm not the only one deciding. It's just you will have people from the foundation with certain level of expertise providing feedback for certain expenses. And this happened also too through that mailing list when he requested the, that money. There were other leaders saying, yeah, why do you want to use Google Cloud? It's quite expensive, this and this and this. Why don't you use that and use that? That's why explaining what you want to use the money for is very important and the foundation will decide based on what kind of request it is. Okay, but that still doesn't clarify the process for me. I don't think that an open chapter mailing list is the place to request funding. Do we have a process for requesting funding? That's true. And this is where something that our new Claudia as project coordinator will really help us manage the process and put certain yeah, especially to manage that process because it's difficult. It's like you said, just, hey, I need money for this on the mailing list is, <laughs> is absolutely not the right way. It's a good way to be open and transparent, like Dini said, but absolutely not the right way to get the money because you will get a whole bunch of discussions going on, like uh, like these couple of leaders saying, yeah, but that virtual machine is expensive. What is it for? And, you know, you have to see it like that. If you give money... For this, everybody wants them for that, and that happened also. Yeah, but if he gets that, then I also want this. <laughs> yeah, but I still haven't heard what the process is. Where is the form that I fill out to request fundings for my project? There is a form. In the I'm asking where it is. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to give you the, IP, the exact URL address, but there is. There is a okay. re, the reimbursement the reimbursement fund. And actually what is happening right now is not really, a, it's more a reimbursement uh, form. So it's afterwards than before being approved. So, for example, what happened maybe is that Dennis thought, I'm going to buy this machine for this. And then he was asking reimbursement for it. And of course, it wasn't clear. Then that process needs to be better and much transparent to all the project leaders. And I believe this is not in place yet as it should be. All right, Claudia, I think that's critical here because the smaller projects around the world 
where there are low economies cannot afford to come out of pocket and then wait for a reimbursement. We need a real process for requesting funds for projects. Correct, and and there is also the the mention of a, a credit card. We can the the foundation has a credit card that they can use if they don't have the funds available to buy the um, the equipment or the server, for example, a server, and it costs five hundred dollars, and they don't have it um, in a, in another country. Um, we can provide the the funds for that, and they don't need to do a reimbursement form. We will do the. Um, we will do the purchase directly. That's good to know. It still leaves open the question, though, is how can we set up a process where people can request funding for a project? As an example, if I need something for the podcast series, should I go out and take a chance and spend $2,000 on a new recording system? Or, and then ask for reimbursement? Or should I go through a process first? And I'm answering my own question here, I think. Shouldn't I go through a process to say, hey, can I get funds to do this? And from what I'm hearing, there's not a way to do that. Mark, Mark there is. But I, I would say, what's the problem? The problem is that it's not clear to everyone. When I requested funds to test the projects, I had to make a proposal first. And this is what is not clear for for many leaders. They have to create a proposal explaining what is it for. And depending on the amount of money that you want it for, then it, it, it can become, for example, I created a completely proposal, was a complete wiki page with a lot of details, how we are gonna do the testing on the projects when they were demoted and we needed to test more like 50 projects. And then I said, well, we would like, I would like to hire that the, the foundation help us to hire a tester that work, can work full time on that because I don't have time for this only. I can have time to help with the other 50 projects. There were in total like 100 projects we wanted to, to review. And then we wanted a tester to focus on that. And when we asked this request, I, I didn't spend money from my pocket first and then say to the foundation here, I hire a tester, give me $2,000. No, I went to create a proposal and send this proposal to the board uh, and to the community. So was it to the board because they are the ones approving. But I think it needs to be better clarified somewhere and, and especially that our coordinator can help promote this information correctly where and how it should be, what is the step one, step two, step three, like that, you know. And then you as a project leader knows, okay, let me write first a small proposal I submit my proposal and it should be also a special form where they can manage these proposals better because right now it's open, it's just an, an email. So we will need a process where um, we need to really tagger that better, the setup. Actually, the problem is the setup because I make a proposal and, for example, I'm going to give you also a very good one. The One of the project leaders requests 30K for the summer of code, $30,000. He had to create a proposal. And there was a lot of discussion because he never created one. And he just said, give me 30K because we want a summer code. No, it's not like that. I had to create a completely proposal explaining why do I want $2,000 to pay to a tester and which kind of tester and the whole procedure of tendering 
the proposal because, hey, I can also hire my friend, right? <laughs> you know, you have to understand when we talk about funds, uh, you have a certain way of regulating how things are being spent. So uh, this is where the project coordinator role is very important to make clear, to maybe create new uh, forms for leaders to submit their proposals, to evaluate proposals, how long it will take to evaluate the proposal. I, I also believe, Dennis, it shouldn't take like, uh, I'm waiting for an answer like already six months now, but it should also be something that is dependent on the amount of money you are requesting and from which budget. Is it from your project budget directly? Is it from the community budget? And depending on from which budget is being asked for, then certain decisions and certain rules should be set. That's all. But getting the money, the thing is, I think, because many leaders do not understand that they need to write a proposal and depending on the amount and from which budget um, bucket is coming from, it's very unclear right now. I would agree. The process is so ambiguous that I would suggest that many, if not most, of project leaders don't have any idea on how they would request funding. Even talking with you right now, all I heard basically was I've got to send a request to the board and explain my request. It seems to me that in any organization of the size that we have that there should be some kind of form that has specific criteria that you have to meet and questions that you have to answer in order to request funding over a certain amount. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious, I think. Yes, yes. And I think this is something that needs to be better professionalized. It wasn't ever. Eh? <laughs> the, I mean, we are talking about something that it didn't happen before with the old project manager. And, and, and it's very interesting because one of the emails that I sent also uh, to Claudia when when talking about the role is also about these kind of things. It's about communicating, giving guidance, creating uh, a procedures and process that are clear to everyone. They shouldn't be too complicated because otherwise it becomes bureaucratic, but it should be clear and they shouldn't be that difficult to to implement. I have been talking with Joanna Curiel, the project review team leader. Joanna, thank you so much for your input. Yeah, thank you, Mark, for the opportunity. Sure. And Claudia Avales uh, Casanova, the project coordinator. Uh, Claudia, good luck on your new job. It sounds like you've got some things to go forward with. Oh, definitely. Hands full and all hands on deck. You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller. OWASP 24-7 is sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. 